Be brave, be brave, be brave. Welcome to this service where hopefully we'll learn to be brave, but not quite like when you may remember some of those times when there was an adult, a teacher or a parent that said, come on, get up there, you can do it. And you don't want to do it. You know you can do it, but there's no way you're going to do it. And so they say, be brave, come on, be brave. And there's nothing about being brave, you just don't believe that it's right for you to get up there to do it. And then it comes to the conjoling, the, um, what do you call it, when, when they start to barter with you. If you do this, then I'll do this. And slowly the children come up onto the stage, they stand there, and nothing comes out of their mouth. Now who's embarrassed? The parent. The parent wanted the child to be brave so they wouldn't be shown up. You can't really be brave if it's not in your heart to be brave. And that's not what this message is about today. It's not about conjoling children to get up so that parents, teachers, adults are not embarrassed. Be brave. I want to share with you today uh, this message from Timothy. We're in the book of 2 Timothy. We've had two messages so far. And my title is Be Brave. So what is brave? I like the definition, possessing courage. Not being a coward. I like this, possessing courage. And then I discovered that courage is actually from a French word that means heart. It actually is take heart. Now that's much better, isn't it? Take heart. What is in your heart, let it come out. And we will discover today that as Paul writes to Timothy, there's possibly a lot in his heart that could have stopped him being the person Timothy was meant to be. Take courage. Over here there's a piece of artwork. I saw this yesterday, uh, Friday, Thursday night, Friday, at an exhibition. And our friend Ruth did this at a course, Meaning for Making. Now, I want you to read it because it fits in with our message today. It's, this is what she's written about it. The image shows the capacity for new growth in unexpected areas. The only requirements are coming to God unencumbered and a willingness to allow a seed to be planted, even the smallest of seeds. The mind, in conjunction with the spirit and the heart, is where the most beautiful and profound growth can develop. This piece has tried to capture that through the floral element springing from an unexpected place and uncontained and unrestricted as it grows. And that, my friends, is the message in a nutshell. Unexpected, unrestricted growth is available. So we have Paul writing this letter to Timothy. I've been living in this book of 2 Timothy for a while now, just reading it and trying to get my head and heart around Paul. This is a different Paul from the Acts Paul, where he's vibrant, he's out here, he's preaching, he's dramatic, he's dynamic, he's um, bold and he's all over the place, going from this place to that place. And uh, sometimes he's a character in Acts that I can't quite identify with. 
too much on the move for me, too much boldness. And I thought, Paul, take a rest. But I read this book, and this book is the last letter that he possibly wrote. And his hair was probably the same colour as mine, if he had any. Could have been bald for all I know. He's about my age. In other words, he's old. <laughs> and he's reflecting back on life. He's imprisoned, chained like a common prisoner, sitting in a cold, dark dungeon. I know that because he says to his friend Timothy, please bring me my cloak. He's there, chained, and he knows that this time he's not going to get out of prison. In fact, within a year, he is beheaded by the Emperor Nero. But he wants Timothy to come, if possible. And if Timothy can't come, he's writing some last instructions. So the book's about loyalty and disloyalty. It's about shame and honour. It's about courage and cowardness. It's about compassion, need, love, friendship, father-son, about being brave, about being courageous, about being the person God wants you to be. The unique person with your unique gifts. Can you see this? You know what it is? Those who know me well will know what I often carry around in my pocket. <laughs> it's an acorn. Picture up here, an acorn. God makes acorns. God makes trees. Now this acorn has everything in it to become an oak tree. But not while it's in my pocket or on my shelf. It has to be put in the right soil, right conditions, and given space and room to grow. Some of the initial growth will be in a dark, damp place, underground, where no one sees it. But it will become an oak tree. But I don't look at this oak, this little acorn, and say, little acorn, you can become anything you like. The truth is, little acorn, you can become an oak tree. And too often we say to our people, you can do anything. You can be anything you like. It's not really God's design for you. God's design for you is for you to be you. That which is in you to be cultivated and grown in an unrestricted, in, an un, um, in, a, in a way that would be exciting for us all to see and that would encourage you, that would be fulfilling and great for you. So this is what this passage is about today. Look at our text. Paul writes this to Timothy. He says, Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. What's he not given us? Not fear, not timidity, timidity, cowardness, but power, love, and self-discipline. Fear, fears, cowardness, that usually results in shame and guilt and condemnation, hating ourselves and not really liking what's going on and jealousy of others and wanting to be like others and wondering why we don't get opportunities and all this kind of stuff because all our world is screwed up inside with this fear and cowardness. Let me tell you about my greatest fear. My greatest fear. There's a picture here. My worst fear 
is dogs. I've got a little injury to prove <laughs> that I've been bitten by a dog as a young child and I'm scared of them. Something happens inside and I paralyse. Sorry about dog lovers. You probably have the best, most um, timid dog in all the world, but I'm frightened of dogs. And just recently I was on a prayer journey here and we were up on the high place and uh, if you can keep it there for a little while. And we were praying over this city issue up in the Tibetan area. It's about 3,800 meters up. So it's pretty high. If you want to know how high, that's Kosciuszko plus Barrow and a bit more. Okay, it's high. It's hard to breathe. And you can get altitude sickness. So we're praying there, had a lovely worship time, had some scriptures, and we prayed for the city. And some of the others, bless them, wanted to go higher. And I said, uh, I don't think I can go any higher. I feel a little bit lightheaded. I would just like to sit here. Now, I broke rule one. We're not allowed to be by ourselves. But anyhow, I was to sit there and make my way down to the car park. Fine. They went higher. And I looked around, and the car park's only down there, about double the size of this. And I think, yeah, that's no problem. And I look over there, and there's a pack of dogs. But they are lethargic. They are old. They are spread out on the concrete in the sun, stinking hot. And I think, it's okay. I talk to myself, breathe. You know, it's okay, it's okay. Walk carefully, walk carefully. And the trouble is people tell me they know if you're afraid. Walk carefully, pretend you're not afraid. And so I'm going down and there's another pack of dogs. Lethargic, old, that's all right. They're probably past their age, used by day. They're, they're old. So I'm walking and they're big dogs. Walking down. And suddenly, the worst possible scenario for anyone who's frightened of dogs, this pack started barking at that pack, and they were coming. And I'm there, paralysed. Breathe, don't pretend you're not afraid. Breathe, pretend. Lord, help me, I don't know what to do. Pretend, keep walking, keep walking. And I'm, I'm scared. I'm afraid. Help God. And I look, try not to look at the dogs, pretend they're not there. Mind you, if we got bitten, we had to be flown out straight away because we didn't know whether they had rabies. So all this stuff's going on, saying, help me, God, help God, I'm scared. And I look over there, and there's a cleaning lady sweeping the ground. Older lady, and she's calling me over. She's calling me over. And so I, that means I've got to go between the dogs. So I, I, I move over, and she growls at me without speaking because we can't understand the language. I was walking around the monastery in the wrong way. You're supposed to walk in a certain way. So she takes me and she puts me with a group of people. Do you know at that moment, I believe she was God's angel for me. My protection. My fear. Am I still scared of dogs? Yes. I'm sorry. Do I know that God can help me? Yes. Does it stop me doing what I've got to do? No. No. And that's fear. I don't know what fears you have. But we have not been given a spirit of fear and cowardness and to be there and to... We, we can work with God because he's given us power, a spirit of power, a spirit of love and a spirit of self-discipline. 
power. Now, unfortunately, we get the wrong idea of this word. We think power, you know, the superheroes who can do anything. And immediately we think, no, I'm not like that. The root word, the root meaning of this word, which is actually dynamite in the noun form, in the verb form, it's I am able. My ability comes from God. Now, isn't that better? I can be and do what God calls me with a confidence because of his power within, his ability within, his driving force within. Love. Love conquers all. It's the most powerful characteristic of God. It's song that said it all, that these beautiful people sang, God is for us. If God is for us, who can be against us? God is on our side. God invites us. This God who has love that goes on and on and on and on and never runs dry. An everlasting, continuous, amazing love. This is the love he wants to pour into our hearts. He wrote, Paul wrote this in another place. He said, the love of God is just shared abroad in your hearts by the Holy Spirit, and it comes out. I read an article this week by John Dixon. We had one of his series once, and he said, I long for the day when we'll be hated for what we believe, but envied for what we love. Wouldn't it be better if people said, don't get what they believe. Haven't got a clue. They're weirdos there. But boy, you can't outdo them with love. Beautiful? Can't outdo them with love. God's promised that. And self-discipline. Level-headedness. Sober assessment of ourselves. Knowing who we are. What God wants for us to do. So that we can become the person God wants us to be. Rather than trying to be someone else. Last week, Grace talked about our uniqueness, God's ideal, his rescue mission for us, where he takes our brokenness and makes us whole. Where we look at the creator, the one who created us, the one who knows us best because he made us, the one who loves us best, the one who knows what's best for us. He's just all-knowing. He is the best. He's a great God. He's with it all. And he invites you and me, whatever stage we're on in life, to have a continuing relationship with him. He wants us to meet with him first up and say, I need that love that you've got. I need that ability that you've got. He just says, come, and by accepting that invitation, just as we are, and allowing him to control our lives, we have the help that's available. And we also know the power of love, the wonder of forgiveness, and the beauty of acceptance. This is our God. What I also discover as I, in, as I come to God continually, I learn more about myself, more about my God, and more about his world, and his people, and his creation. But you know, he wants us in a non-negotiable way. He's God. He's always God. I am not. You are not. He says, I'm the one who made you. I know best how to work in your life. I'm willing and able to do this. And he says, 
the best thing you can do is surrender. Just offer yourself for me. And so we have Paul writing these words earlier on in his life where he wrote these words and he said, just as you are, this is what I want. So here is what I want you to do. I want you to take, I want you, God helping you, take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life, who you are. I want you to place it before God as an offering, just as you are, just as you are. Surrender, surrender. Now, surrender is a funny word because it's a frightening word and we think that we lose all our privileges and we lose the right to do what we want to do. We lose so much if we surrender. But as we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, we have this walking around with God, community with him, knowing his power, his love, the self-discipline that he gives us. And we give ourselves to God. I remember a friend of mine who told me this story. She was a missionary in Africa. And one Sunday they were asked to prepare what they could bring to God as an offering. And on this special Sunday of the giving, there were chooks and animals. There was cloth and grain, a little bit of money. There, was, there were bowls and there were bits and pieces, musical instruments, just from their ordinary life they gave. And there was this child who walked up. I don't think he had anything on, according to my friend. And he sat in one of the basins. He had nothing to bring but himself. All of him, all of you. This is what God wants. Surrender is a funny word. Surrender is uh, a word that says, yes. Once I give myself to God, I become his friend. And I may have done that, in my case, 40 years ago, 50 years ago. Or it might have been last week. But that's an act of surrender, when I give my life to God. But it's also a daily practice where I say, God, I'm here again. Here I am again. And I give myself to you so that I can have your power, your love and the sound mind, self-confidence. So it's an open-handed. Now, I've got some boxes here, and we're going to work through these because it is my firm conviction that most of us are not what we could be or should be because of the fears that we have. Now, this next section of what I'm going to talk about is one of the chapters in this book, Shape. It's part of the Shape course. And it talks about the hindrances and the distractions that are in our lives that stop us being what God wants us to be. And he says, come on, surrender those today. Surrender them so that you can be free. Because this is the truth, people. You, the church, the local church here, is the gift to this community, Launceston, and the surrounds. You are the gift. You are the good news. And if you're not good news and people do not believe in God, it's got to come back to us. We hinder the good news. You are the gift. But the good news is the gift of the Spirit is in us. And he wants to live within and when the Spirit of God comes within, he gives us spiritual gifts that are uniquely ours so that you need me, I need you, we need each other. And together 
we become this gift to the community. God has no other way. He has sent his son. He has no other plan B. The church, the local church, the church, the churches in their environments are the gift, the good news to the city. So let's be that. Let's take a new step today to surrender what stops us being the good news, for being able to have the gift of the Spirit within us, empowering us, loving through us, and we can use those spiritual gifts. So the first thing that really stops us from being what God wants us to be are the worries that we carry. There's a box over here, and my friend Ebony's turned it around because on your seat there's a piece of paper and there's a pencil, and whatever it is that comes up in your life at this stage as we go through these five things, I want you to jot them down because you will be invited to give them in an intentional way to God. Not that this is giving it to God, but it's an evidence that you mean to be intentional. So the worries, the cares, the anxieties, the stuff that uh, stops us from enjoying life, from making us look like miserable little people all the time because we can't be good news because we've got the worries of the world on our shoulders. What am I going to do about my finances, my future, my friends, my relationships? What am I going to do about, will I get employed? Will I finish my studies? Will I pass my exams? Will this boy love me? Will this woman be my wife? What are the things that are there that uh, become pretty important for us? And the next thing that hinders us from God, not just the worries. Look at the verse that God says about worries. He says, cast all your cares on the Lord. He will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. Cast means throw them at God. Or as the living uh, the message says, pile your worries on the shoulders of God. He's got great shoulders. He can carry us. Next one. Go up to Ebony. You turn that one around. And what does it say? It says, what does it say? Wounds. The woundedness, where people have wronged us, where we've got hurt, where we've been discouraged, all the stuff that we hold against, where we've got pain and problems, and we remember what that person said, and we remember the hurt and the pain of someone in the past, and they may not even have a clue that they've done it, or they may, you've been a victim. We've all had been at some stage victims of someone, bullied, or we've been abused. Now, there are courses that can help you work through this, life solution courses. But for most of us, it's a matter, too, of just being willing to forgive. Look at the verses that go with this, the woundedness that is here. It says here, give God your wounds, your hurts, your disappointments. He heals the brokenhearted. He is the great physician. He binds up the wounds. Yeah, you'll have scars. Yes, you'll learn from the experiences. And one of the great things about shape is the experiences make you who you are. Give your hurts to God. Forgive others. Forgive others. Just recently I was in Sydney and I was with this beautiful young woman. She wanted to serve the Lord. And as she's sitting there talking and I'm asking questions, anger, such anger came up. And this beautiful, gentle, small little woman, there was so much pain because of unforgiveness, where she'd been victimized and wronged and they're holding on to it. 
Some of the things were big, but because some were big, every little thing also became part of the woundedness. He heals the brokenhearted. The next one, what have we got there for Ebony, is it? Wrongs. Give your wrongs to God. The wrongs are what you've done to others. <laughs> the wrong stuff that you do continuously. The lying, the greed, the pretending, the deceitfulness, whatever it is that you've done. You know what it is. How often have we said, if you really knew me, you wouldn't like me? Because we know that we do wrong. And it's taking ownership instead of blaming others, saying, I come, I give my wrongs to you. And here's some verses that we can have for this, for the wrongs. Come to me, all of you who are weary, all of you who are burdened, and I will give you rest. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Forgiveness, forgive yourself, ask God to forgive you. There's a little word confession. Confession's a great word. It means agree with what God says about you. He says, you've done wrongs. <laughs> you've blown it. You've hurt people. You've lied. You've been deceptive. You've stolen. You've thieved. I don't know what you've done. I know what I've done. Confess. Agree with God. Say, yes, God, it's me. Thank you that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses from all sin. The scripture says in 1 John 1, if we claim to be without sin, over the next one, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Confess your sins. Stay with God until you're forgiven. This is one of the issues that we often have is that we don't hang around until we know we're forgiven. I'm sorry, Lord, I've done it again. And off we go and we do it again. You know, I liken forgiveness to having a shower. Sometimes I just need a real quick shower just to freshen me up. You know those kinds? Just freshen me up for the day. Sometimes I need longer showers. I need scrubs. <laughs> Sometimes I have a shower just because I'm enjoying it. <laughs> and it's nice. Forgiveness is like that. Sometimes it's just fresh up, God, anything wrong? No, we're fine. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you're with me. Thank you that it's going well. But there's showers where I stay there and say, God, I need to know I'm forgiven. And there's showers where we've got to scrub and confess the dirt and the wrong and the stuff. Hang around with God till you know you're clean and forgiven. Okay? Accept the forgiveness. Forgive yourself. And then we have, of course, our weaknesses. Weaknesses, well, you have them, I have them. You don't have to live long in my place to realize that I have my weaknesses. The students I've taught, they knew I had weaknesses. I could never add up their results. There were all these little pieces of work and you had to get a percentage. And they'd come to me and say, I think you've got it wrong. I'd say, I'm sure I've got it wrong. I learned after a while. At first I was highly offended. How could I possibly make a mistake? I'm the teacher, you're not. And I would 
blame anything except take ownership for my weakness. It's not a sin to be not able to add up and do the scoring. That's not the sin. The sin was the cover up and the pretending. And so in the end, I'd say, tell me what the score is. Show me where I've gone wrong. And I would accept their word over mine. Don't worry if uh, you've got problems there. It's okay. Your word goes when numbers are concerned. We've got weaknesses. I need you. You need me. You need my gifts. I need your gifts. You can't do it all. I can't do it all. Together we are formidable. Together we are good news. Together we stand. Isn't that great? Your strengths, my weaknesses, your weaknesses, our strengths. Give God your wishes. Wishes. The dreams. Did you turn it around, Amy Rose? Wishes. The dreams of the desires. Anything and everything that you want. Give them to God. He's got better for you. Or it might be that that is it in a better way. Open-handed. Everything that there is, he can give to you. Come to Jesus as you are. So this is what we're going to say. Be who you are, not anything you want to be. Allow God to work in you. You're the gift. In you are gifts. The Spirit of God is longing to take control and change your life. So as we sing this next song, as we sing the last one, I'm going to ask you to write what it is that you need to surrender to God, to give to God. Now, I'm assuming that most of us will have something. And if the leaders, the elders, the ministers, anyone on the prayer team, if you're first out here, you can hang around and pray for some of the others. Because we all need to surrender and use the practice of surrender regularly. Here we are, surrendering. So this is going to be sung, and I invite you to stand with your bit of paper and come. It will be messy. Hang around for prayer if you want to. Have a look at the painting. Go back and sit. But God bless you and keep you as we go into this song. Thank you very much. You unravel me